You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're flipping out in fab facts. We're up to our necks in trouble in the randomizer. And we're celebrating three years of the podcast with filmmaker Michael Shanks. That's all coming up in this very birthday pod 156 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to the hashtag Jerry Anderson podcast. Happy birthday to us. I wasn't expecting your harmony. You really put me off. Yeah, totally put me off. Well, we should have rehearsed it, shouldn't we? Yeah. Anyway, happy happy birthday. Yeah, we should have done a bit more rehearsal over the last three years, really, shouldn't we? no point starting now. It's too late. Yeah, but but happy birthday. Three years of the Jerry Anderson podcast. You get less for severe shoplifting. That's true. You'd be (laughs) out by now. Imagine that. Yeah. Gosh, so, Posteron, have you been with us since the very beginning do yeah. let us know. Uh, mm. Podcast at jerryhanson.co.uk. Have you yeah. listened to all 156 episodes of the oh, Jerry Hanson podcast? Crikey. If so, we can only apologise, but we did warn you in the very beginning, and uh, you've only got yourself to blame. So, <laughs> yeah. this is the uh, third anniversary edition of the Jerry Hanson podcast. I'm Jamie Woo-hoo. Anderson, and I am accompanied by... Well, Richard James, and... Oh, look, over there, it's Chris Dale. And is he? He's putting the finishing touches to our birthday cake. Uh. He is. I hope it's not a red velvet. Please say it's not a red velvet cake. No, I have. It is. No, it's it not. It's not. Oh. The, the, the red sponge is, is throwing you off, oh. but it's actually a, a rainbow cake, and it's one oh. of those ones with um, uh, M&Ms in the middle. Oh, yes. Perfect. So, which That'll is do. which is great. So, thanks, yeah. Chris. We'll look forward to thanks, eating Chris. that cake later. And, uh, yeah. Richard, what can we expect mm. in this very special birthday episode of the Jerry Anderson well, podcast? Uh, Jamie, as it's a very special birthday episode mm. i thought mm. we'd do things exactly the same as we've done for the previous three years now that so, that is a great yeah. idea that's how you 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 know surprise your audience by doing the <laughs> same thing when they expect exactly. to do something different yeah so that means that we've got fab facts coming up in a little while it also means we've got some newsy news 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 of the jerry anderson universe uh it means that we've got chris Dale's ama- amazing randomizer coming up a little later on Ooh. and of course we've been hearing from our podsterons at uh podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk and via our facebook group and via twitter and youtube and the second part of your interview with michael shanks oh yeah yes of the australian michael shanks not the canadian yeah. one that people maybe thought right. it might have been right um but uh, yeah michael's been one of our most out downloaded episodes in ages oh so fantastic clearly a very sure. popular guest yes he'll be here yeah. including uh, talking about his his uh, meta reimagining of thunderbirds which is uh 
Ah, most unusual nice. and may ah, cause okay. division and uh, oh, amusement and maybe even some disgust among Posteron. Ah, so stand lovely. by lovely for disgust. Um, <laughs> uh, Richard, uh, to celebrate, yeah. would you yes. like a very <gasps> special glass of... But very no, what, plain fat facts. Oh, <laughs> to celebrate? Yes. Come on. on, then. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. It's Fab Facts. I've got a book of Fab Facts. I'm going to flip through mm-hmm. the book of Fab Facts, and Rich mm-hmm. is going to shout, Birthday. Fab. Oh. That's how we make this Fab Facts birthday, oh, you see. Oh, okay. Yeah? I see. That. I like so what you did. Shout, yeah. Birthday. And I will stop flicking through the book of Fab Facts and read you the fact from that Fab page. Are you ready? Yeah, yes. Make sure you shout the right thing, because I won't be yes, stopping for yes, Fab yes, today. Yes, yes, I will. Good. Here we go. Birthday! Ooh. Oh, that was rubbish. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. Oh, all right, fine. Made no sense. <laughs> it did in context. Uh, well, you have stopped us. Yeah. In 1969. Oh, that we, a year we very often return to. It is. Uh, but it's in true, this case, it? uh, it's the year of release of something. And that right. thing is Me? Doppelganger. Oh, it's also the year of my release. Oh, yes, of but course. Yes. <laughs> Carry on. Final two rather rather good things were released yeah. that year. Yeah. Uh, Doppelganger, more commonly known these days by its American title, The Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. Mm-hmm. For those who have not yet seen the film, spoilers ahead. So you may oh. wish to look away well, now. Oh, no, that won't do any good. Uh, they've had 50 ears. years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, but we do get occasional complaints when we talk about things that are even it's older, weird, saying oh, you've got spoilers there. But Okay, but spoilers, okay. spoilers, spoilers, yep, yep. spoilers. Yep. It stars Roy Thinnis. It is Thinnis, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. Yeah, and Ian Hendry, as two astronauts who travel to a new planet on the opposite side of the sun and discover... Yeah. <gasps> A duplicate mm. Earth, where everything yeah. is the same, except it's not, because it's mirrored. But it's the same other than being mirrored. Mm. So all of the writing and logos and so on are backwards in this uh, on this mirror Earth. It's appropriate, then, that this movie about doubles and duplicates should also have acquired an unexpected duplicate of its own. <laughs> really? <laughs> During the 1980s, a second version of the film seems to have entered circulation on British television, presumably thanks to an engineer who was making a duplicate print of the film for broadcast and spotted what he thought was a mistake. But never. He noticed that in the second half of the film, the picture seemed to be flopped over with lots of weird backwards writing, almost like you were looking into a, a mirror. <laughs> right. Well, surely that can't be right, thought Mr. Engineer. I've got to fix that. <laughs> Except, yes, it was right, Mr. Engineer. That was the point of the film. That's the point! But sadly, Mr. Engineer evidently didn't watch the film and didn't know anything about the story, so presumably gave himself an enormous pat on the back for spotting and fixing the problem and then went home. And that version was then screened several times on British TV during the 1980s. How funny. So, instead of Roy and Ian from our world finding themselves on a mirror world where everything is the same except reversed, this new cut followed their mirror counterparts finding themselves on our world and facing the same problem obviously the film played out exactly the same there was no new material added <laughs> yeah. or cuts made yes, just a slightly yes. confusing switch in the middle where having crash landed on a new planet with uh, ross and kane the audience suddenly find themselves back on our earth with uh. ross and kane's doubles <laughs> weird it very occasionally happens with sci-fi shows uh, where someone who isn't directly attached to the production or who isn't in the loop 
fixes, in giant yeah. air quotes, uh, yeah. something that wasn't actually broken to begin with. Famously, the very first episode of Star Trek ran into problems when they were doing makeup tests to see how a green-skinned woman would look on film. Only the technician who processed the film didn't realise that she was meant to be green and so stayed up all night correcting her back to oh, human skin no. tone. I um, didn't know that. Yeah, this went on for several days with increasingly greener paint being employed only for the actress to keep ending up looking perfectly human in the rushes <laughs> until someone finally bothered to talk to the guy in the film lab and explain... Uh, oh yeah, yeah. she's uh, uh, she's meant to look bright green, she's meant mate. To be green, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, accent not accurate to the time. Uh, going back to Journey to the Far Side of the Sun or Doppelganger, we're not exactly mm. sure when Mr. Engineer's version of the film was last broadcast in the UK, but it was possibly 1986, since the only other time the film has been shown on British terrestrial TV since then was on ITV on uh, the 18th of July in the year 2000, where the original oh. cut was shown as an unscheduled replacement for a TV movie called A Mother's Instinct, right. which had been pulled from the schedule at the last moment. We know not why. Huh. Since then, the original cut has been played on the Sci-Fi Channel, Sky Movies, and is currently on the Horror Channel, uh, and the version you find on the DVD and Blu-ray too. So it's probably uh -huh. safe to say that Mr. Engineer's version has been retired somewhere along the line. Yes. Yes, but fair enough. How strange that th that should happen on a film where the story itself kind of has a built-in defense mechanism that can accommodate that correction. Yeah. So since events seem to be <laughs> yeah. playing out exactly the same on both planets, it doesn't really matter which version you see because yeah. within the story, both are happening simultaneously. That's right. So yes. obviously yes, it might have been confusing for viewers of Mr. Engineer's version to see Roy Thinnis losing his marbles about backwards writing that isn't backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's what would have been happening on our Earth anyway. Yes, yes, um, exactly. So to him, it would have been backwards because he's, yeah. the, the, he's the doppelganger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have any information of any international broadcast of that version of the film, please let us know. And if you fancy seeing it for yourself, well, you'll have to do it yourself. If you've got basic editing software, you can rip your DVD or Blu-ray and uh, flip it over yourself and enjoy <laughs> a sort of weird alternate universe confusing version um, at your leisure. <laughs> yes, yes, you could do that, I suppose, yeah. So there you go. Oh, nice. It's a bit like... A, uh, there's a film called Memento, isn't it, which is which is told backwards. Yes. If you've ever seen that. It'd be a bit like what, you know one of the editors getting hold of that and going, oh, no, no, they made a dreadful mistake. They're telling the whole thing out of order and cutting it all together. Well, Richard James, on that note... And I know note, that is a version you can watch, can't you? Yes, if you have the DVD of Memento at home, Podstroms, uh, yes. and you don't know about the Easter egg version, then uh, on the main menu, while the background video is playing, there's a moment at which the word Memento More flashes on the screen. Mm -hmm. If you press enter or play at that moment, you will see the film in chronological order. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I quite like the idea, though, if a future editions of, of Doppelganger mm. that they include that version as well as a little Easter egg surprise yeah. that would be fun wouldn't it but then really nice. you should start it on the alternative earth as well where everything is backwards so the first half of the film everything would be backwards yes. so that we yes. know that these are and you'd be That's wondering right. the whole time why are these why is, why is everything, everything backwards? backwards and then when they arrive yeah. on our earth then you're like oh uh -huh. so that, yeah. would, that would work wouldn't it that would work I don't know. Uh, just imagine, though, in, on this mirror world, are they listening to pod number 651 this week? <laughs> oh, I, I don't really want to get uh, don't want to get into it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, what a terrible yeah. thought. Poor them. Mm. Um, no, I think time still flows forwards. Just everything else is mirrored. Oh, I see. Yes, and of course. So I that suppose. wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah anyway. Mm. Right. No. Well, what a birthday treat this this whole thing yes. has been. This whole debacle has, has been. Now, we've done an outro before where we've said fab facts backwards, haven't we? 
But of yes, course, yeah, we, on the Mirror Universe, where it's been flipped over, it would just be a fab fact. So does that bring us to the end of this week's fab, fab fact? I guess it does. <laughs> How what convenient. a letdown. That was a letdown, though, wasn't it? Couldn't we have said fact fab or something? Well, I, we had no. to calf baff, didn't we, before? Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. well, it's too late oh, now. Oh. It's too late. Let's move on. Anyway, you are listening to pod number 156, our special birthday anniversary, third birthday edition of mm. the Jerry Anderson podcast. Now, just a very quick reminder, celebrate with us by subscribing to us on whichever platform you're listening to us on right now. And why not leave us a special birthday rating or review and share the link with your friends so they can get to hear us too now. We have had, of course, as usual, lots of emails sent into podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. Shall I read some of them out? Ooh, Yes. Well, this one here is from Peter Lippmann, who says, Hi, Jamie and Richard. I hope you're both doing okay. I'll try to keep this brief for me, as the last thing I want is to add a sad tone to the wonderful things you both do and these brilliant podcasts. So I would just like to give you both, and those who are listening who also know my circumstances, the biggest FAB thank you for the fabulous and so very much appreciated support that you've given me in recent years. Peter says, After so many years fighting with her serious illness, my mum passed away only a few weeks ago, and as her long-time main carer, I've found these last years rather draining, really, emotionally as well as physically. Her funeral was on Monday, and it was a wonderful send-off. The kindness, positive thoughts and support you constantly gave me throughout this time carried me through these tempestuous times. Very best as always, SIG. And that's from Peter Lippmann. So all our best wishes, of course. I know we've both spoken to Peter over the last couple of weeks. Oh, yes. uh, But we send all our best wishes again to you, Peter. And, uh, yeah, hope to see you soon. Anything to add, Jamie? I hear you taking a breath. No, I I was just going to say, you know, having uh, been a a care of myself for some time, Mm. I completely understand what you've been doing, Peter. And, uh, Mm. yes, you know, good on you for for doing what you've done Absolutely. and um yeah we hope you're doing all right and if uh, if anybody else is having a rough time at the minute then we we hope we are bringing a little tiny slither of joy into yeah. your life yeah um, that would be good yeah that would be great um hannah get, got in touch again to say hi all how are you i'm still listening and keeping up i'm still listening and keeping up with the podcast <laughs> i just realized it was a year ago that you launched your uh, make your own tracy island competition time flies wow. even in lockdown doesn't it uh, Hannah says maybe you could do something like that from now every week, looking at something back this time last year or five years maybe. Oh, I'll think about that. Uh, she says, I'm so looking forward to getting the new Thunderbirds book this week. I pre-ordered mm. it straight away. At first, I couldn't decide which one to get, but I think I'll also order the audio as well. I love reading, but I like audio too, and it sounds like the crew put so much effort into it. It would be a shame not to hear it. And I don't think I'm going to put that book down when I start. I can't wait to get started, and I'll be keeping an eye on everything else that pops up. FAB from Hannah. That's very lovely. Well, I hope you enjoy it, Hannah. Yeah, do let us know as well. Yeah, yeah. the CD version will be with you hopefully later this week and the book Great. not too long after, fingers crossed. So and exciting. let us know if you're getting both. I mean, that's, you know, the book and the audio. I can absolutely understand the uh, the, the impulse to want to do that, to, to read it and hear it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony got in touch to say, Dear Jamie and Richard, it's great news to read about the planned CD and book releases, including Gemini Force One. I was just wondering, for those living outside the UK for postage, etc., if there's any talk on the horizon for a pre-order bundle or subscription model to order all of the new releases at once. They could also be shipped together instead of piecemeal to save on international postage costs. Well, we've waited for so many years that a few months isn't too bad, uh, though the downloads are a sweetener. It would be nice to ensure that all of the orders are safely pre-ordered and also potentially saving a little on shipping, which has gone up as a result uh, a result of COVID. Just thought I'd ask if this was a possibility. Kind regards from Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. We're looking into that kind of thing. Um, 
Yeah, that's all I can really yeah. say at the moment. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it makes it makes sense to say yes. I want I want all the books and audios that are coming out, and just know that they're on their way. But um, yeah. then, how do we group them? Do we go every three months? Every yeah, yeah. release, every four months? Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know. Um yeah. yes. But thank you for your suggestion. We will look into it. Hello, Jamie, Richard, Marina, and Chris, says Julie. Hello. See what I did there? She says, You better watch out, Chris. Julie says, This has been a nice addition to my leisure life. It started a couple of months ago when I subscribed to your YouTube channel, and soon after I joined your Jerry Anderson Day broadcast. Then I subscribed to the podcast on CastBox and I listen every week for just over a month now. Then I joined your Facebook group this week and I've been really embarrassing myself on there ever since. Great fun, all of it. Uh, Julie says, I've been a Thunderbirds fan since the 90s. I did not watch it as a kid, but really took to it as a late teen and onwards, initially on YTV. I grew up and still live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Ah. My dad was from Manchester, but he wasn't a big fan, so I didn't get it from him. But Mm. I love the puppets, the vehicles, the explosions, and there's a general aesthetic that I'm crazy about. Uh, These interesting times led me to actually run out of new content. I'm picky, and the world of Jerry Anderson was the first refuge that I sought. So Ah. much more to it than I ever knew, and I called myself a fan. So, uh... Thank you for that, Julie, and uh, welcome along. And yes, yes do continue to have fun in the older uh, Facebook group. Now, finally, Jamie, you uh, offered our Podstrons the opportunity to send in some Six Degrees of Anderson. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. This? I thought Whoopsie. you might have done. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, the journey you uh, suggested was a Stanley knife to Marina. Is that right? <laughs> Can we get there in six steps or less? Oh, dear. What was I thinking? Right. Well, Martin Laybourne got in touch to say, Hello, chaps. Here is my six degrees of Jerry Anderson for the Stanley knife to Marina. The Stanley blade was part of Stanley's utility knife produced in 1936. Uh, Stanley, too, was a popular boy's name during the period from 1890 to 1959. Uh, Stanley Baker was a Welsh actor and producer famous for his roles in Zulu and Helldivers, amongst other three. Helldivers, rather, also starred actor... George Marcel, that's four. George ah. Marcel appeared in many ITC TV adventure series, including an episode of 1960s police drama Gideon's Way. In this episode, he appeared alongside actor and singer Gary Miller, five. <laughs> Gary Miller, as we know, sang over the Stingray end credits with Aqua Marina. <clears throat> there we are, Jamie. Give us another one. Nice, <laughs> nice. Very good. Yep, few more of those. Uh, Simon Allen, of course, got in touch. The Stanley knife was invented by the company which became Stanley Black and Decker Incorporated in 2010. 2010 was the sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey. In the film of 2001, the lunar shuttle pilot was played by Ed Bishop. Ed Bishop appeared in UFO alongside his temporary secretary, Miss Holland. Miss Holland was played by Lois Maxwell, who voiced Atlanta in Stingray. Atlanta was vying for Troy's affections with Marina. Wow. All right? Okay. Now, do you want a really pathetic one here? That's a bit rude. No, and I know Paul Hyder won't mind me saying that. Marina, <laughs> <Are you> sure? <laughs> Marina is an anagram of airman. An example of an airman is a fighter pilot. Fighter pilot is an anagram of polite fright. You can get a polite fright from a spider. Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee. Stan Lee knife. Wow. He says, okay, I know, a bit desperate. Love the pod, Paul Hyder. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. That's great. Yeah, That is... Uh... Extremely different. <laughs> well, you did ask. So, okay. have you got another one for us, Jamie? Of course I do. Gah, go on then. I want you to connect Hadrian's Wall right. to Fireball XL5. <laughs> so, can you okay. do that for me? 
Great. That's uh, Hadrian's Wall to Fireball XL5 in six <laughs> steps or less. Send them in podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. <laughs> funny how these uh, uh, segments... <laughs> yes, take on a life of their own. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy for that to have happened. So that's of course. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, would you like uh, some Jerry Anderson news today? <gasps> oh, well, as it's a special birthday episode, go on. Okay. Jerry Anderson birthday news 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 good it's much too long so as I may have mentioned in response to Hannah's email earlier on Thunderbirds Terror from the Stars should be shipping out to you this week the CD version and the book will follow shortly after we are ramping up our publishing efforts and machinery so Expect a slightly more um, uh, ordered and organised um, <laughs> okay. and synchronised release of the following yeah. one, which will be Five Star Five next month, um, which will be very exciting. And more samples yes. of that will be out very soon. Cool. Also, shortly after Terror from the Stars begins shipping, we will put our next audio and publishing release up. Uh, oh, yes. Which um, is going to be Go Stingray. <gasps> yes, yes. So we've heard some uh, recording of that this week. Uh, mm. Fantastic cast. Um, some Anderson names, some non Anderson names in there. Okay. You'll, uh, well, they're you'll, Anderson you'll, names gonna, now. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. But uh, ones you'll be familiar with, some you might not be. They're all great, though, and they've done a fantastic job. So that is very, very exciting. Mm. Um, this coming Friday, we have another flash sale. It's 40% off this secret item uh, but if you are on our email newsletter list you will get notification on thursday so you get to beat everybody else to it ah. so uh, you may wish to subscribe there if you're not already but keep an eye out uh, during the day on thursday and you'll get a link to this rather exciting and quite significant flash sale deal cool did you know richard that mm-hmm. there's another uh, jerry anderson related day coming up next month Next month in July? Yes. Oh, it's not July the 10th, is it? It is, which makes ah. it... Uh, July the 10th? Day? Which makes it... Which shows day? Captain Scarlet? Scarlet? Yes, Captain day? Scarlet, Scarlet Day! Captain Scarlet? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 have, good, yeah, yeah Captain great. Scarlet Day, ah. the 10th of July. Yeah. And we're going to be celebrating yeah. all things classic and new Captain Scarlet, which I think will be really oh, lovely. Oh, good. If you've yes. got any ideas about how we should celebrate Captain Scarlet Day this year, the inaugural one, then email us podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. We would love to hear your thoughts. Well, I know how I'll be celebrating it. Um, oh, you've got... I'm going on holiday. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm having a week away from the 10th of July, so, you know, oh. good luck. Hope it goes well. Oh, yeah, thanks. be thinking of you. Uh, what about your life-size yeah. Captain what? Scarlet mm-hmm. cutout? What are you going to take oh, well, it with I'll you? still be here. Oh, no, I don't think so. I can be your stand-in for the podcast that week. Very <laughs> yeah, good. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> um, and finally, for this week's Jerry Anson News, there's some rather super news on the way. Is there? Yes. And I think there's a high probability... No, in yeah. fact, it's definite that you will yeah. be excited. And I think the news is going to give you a boost. That's what? all I can say for now. But uh, yes, what a boost? You're bringing out a range of chocolates. Stan- <laughs> no, stand by really? for non-chocolatey news. Although, 
Yeah, the chocolate box thing is kind of relevant. But um, yeah. yeah, there's some news coming very soon, which I, I yes, you'll be very pleased with, I think. Uh, oh, okay. It's looking rather good. So I suppose that brings us to the end of this week. So, what? Hey, what? What's that? that coming from over there? Oh. That was good news. That was good news. Uh, yeah, oh, very good. Very good. Uh, yes. Paul oh, Hyder. Paul. Thank you so Paul. much for oh, Paul. This is the good news. Yeah. Very good. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, if you would like to better that, do send in your suggestions and your uh, voice clips of you singing That Was The News, That Was The News to podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk and maybe we'll play it next time. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. uh, what does do? Uh, George, know what's going on on our Facebook group, well, Jamie? Well, probably. I can't be a stranger than Any that was the news. No. Yeah. That's right. Well, uh, over on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons, uh, oh, Louise, yes. our lovely moderator, asked, if you were a Jerry Anderson character, who would you be and why? Uh, Kim replied, John Tracy, I'd get to hang out in isolation for months at a time, finally get all those books that I need to read, and redirect emergency calls back home, and no one would ask me to go on rescue missions either. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Wayne says uh, he would be uh, Virgil Tracy, for none other than the blinding, the obvious reason that he gets to fly the uber-cool Thunderbird 2. Robert says he'd be Alec Freeman, Siggy and Whiskey, all the things I had to abandon years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So there's one for you, Jamie. Who would you be and why? Well... As you know, I'm a bit of a Virgil fan mm. because he's got a great balance mm. of being a hero and uh, an artist, and he plays the piano beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, he does also smoke and drink, doesn't he? Which I'm, you know, well, less I think into they smoking. All did in those days, didn't they? Really? Well, I never saw Parker smoking. No, I don't think. Oh, I bet he did though. Well, maybe no, we did see Parker smoking. Of course, I just I, ah. sort of for some reason I visualised him not smoking, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mm. uh, otherwise. Ooh. I don't know. Oh, um, all right. Not, well, not, not Officer Orrin. I mean, obviously. <laughs> well, obviously. No, you wouldn't want to be Officer Orrin. No, it would. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, we also mentioned, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, the uh, Space Precinct Hill Street Blues mashup and yes. asked our listeners uh, if they had any ideas. So over on our Facebook group, Steve came up with a great one, a mashup title sequence, Thunder Liverbirds. Oh, wow. Remember the Liverbirds? Yes, no? I do, Is I it? do. No. Uh, I can't remember the cast, 1970s. <laughs> Liverpool sitcom. Tom Hodden says, how about a mashup of the professionals with a slowed down shot of an SPV rather than a, ca- a Capri smashing through a window? Nice. And he also suggests Firefly XL5. It's oh, good, yeah, it? that's an interesting one. Yeah. Paul Hyder says, Lost in Space 1999. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul G, everybody loves Sting Raymond. Oh, wow. That's... Uh, um... Yeah. Good, isn't it? Well, it's certainly yeah. something. <laughs> uh, one of my favourites, Rebecca says, Thunderbirds of a Feather. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? So, Chris Dale, you got your work cut out there, mash- mashing some of those up. Uh, so, yeah, do send us uh, your requests for uh, Jerry Anderson theme tune and opening titles mashups, and I'll read some of those uh, ne- next time. Yeah, uh, what else have we got in our Facebook group? I think, well, John McDonald is continuing his uh, tour through the Jerry Anderson universe. He says it was very nice hearing Richard reading out my thoughts on the first Gemini Force 1 audio on Pod 155, and I'm really enjoying reading the feedback on Thunderbird's Terror of the Stars. A roaring success, it seems. And how exciting is it that work on the Stingray audio starts next week? Ah. He says, while I'm here, a few thoughts on Dick Spanner, which I finished recently. 
the highlight for me is Shane Rimmer's pithy delivery of Terry Adlam's take on a Raymond Chandler-esque private eye. Steve Begg's modelling and effects are lovely slash wacky in equal measure, <laughs> considering there was next to no budget. It's fantastic that Jerry took a chance on a project like this at that point in his career, and Dick's Banner stands as a testament to the sheer variety in this Andiverse that we all know and love. Network's presentation is as good as ever. You can watch the two series straight through or in the original six-minute segments. I went the latter, as the plot is a wee bit strange, to say the least. Uh, yeah. As ever, I love the galleries of the making of on the DVD extras, particularly some photos from the modelling workshops taken by a young intern who spent time with the team during production. Lucky guy. He says it's worth a look if you haven't tried Mr Spanner and his politically incorrect cohorts, Podstrons, though I recommend strong drink may help with the viewing, I'd say. Uh, anyway, he says, Secret Service next. Too loo for now. <laughs> mm, let us know how you get on. If you yeah, think interesting. that uh, Spanner requires... A bit of uh, uh, you know a dram of whiskey Dutch to courage. wash. Then yep. you yeah you wait for the secret yeah. service. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's true. Uh, so yes, do head on over to Facebook and join the group there. Lots of fun stuff going on at the moment. I think they're organising um, a table read of uh, I think it's a Terror Hawks episode. Various scripts that they've got. Uh, oh, your lovely. opportunity to start in a Jerry Anderson production. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, pop along. How lovely! What a lovely group they are. Yeah. Um, well done, Posturans, for keeping it. Uh, what was it? The nicest place on the internet. Yes, that's, that's it. That's the official yep. status, as uh, exactly right, ordained yep. by the world president himself, I believe. So, uh, congratulations! <laughs> that's right. yeah. That um, actually happened. Richard, would you like to cross to the other side of the Earth, not the other side of the Sun, to the mirror Earth, but no, just to no. the other side of the planet? Yeah, why? Well, I think there's somebody waiting in Australasia <gasps> to have a oh, yes, have a chat with us. It's Michael Shanks. Yes. Great. Um, YouTuber, writer, director, actor, everything. Uh, mm. And uh, I've been watching his uh, his short films online uh, since last mm. week because they're rather lovely. Um, but he's back to talk through more Andersony things, his um, thoughts on filmmaking and practical effects and all that kind of thing. And also to give us his very strange, very unusual meta view of what a uh, Thunderbirds reboot could be if he was in charge. Um, oh, right. I wonder what you'll think, Postrons. Let us know. Here's Michael Shanks, part two. Just to touch on your kind of career from, you know, sat in your grand's bedroom watching Thunderbirds on a small telly to uh, to now, I did a, a little bit of reading around and, you know, you clearly had some musical creative influence from when you were a, a young and sort of, was it piano lessons from five and kind of yes. learning a bit of school kind of... Um, uh, school was a place where you started doing more filmmaking and kind of learning what directing was and that kind of thing. So, because we've got, we have a lot of listeners to the podcast who are professional filmmakers and uh, amateur and hobbyists and people who'd love to try. We're always getting fantastic stuff sent in from, you know, right from CGI artists, people who are making their own kind of stop motion. What was your sort of, you know, journey from this is a little hobby I do at school to becoming a professional? If you had to do your kind of, filmmaker comic book origin story in five minutes or less good luck in a world where a boy had no friends um, <laughs> that's always a great starting point i'll make my own yeah yeah in, in a world i'm sure I, you know that's i'm sure somebody's made something called in a world all about um well yeah my my high school was really where i discovered um that you know a, a creativity my creativity, I felt, was very nurtured there in a way that hadn't been in primary school. In, in New Zealand, I went to a very kind of strict private school. And it was like that. I started learning guitar in primary school. They had teachers at primary school. 
but I did that for two years at primary school and never knew my teacher's name because it was so awkward and frigid that it was like, oh, he hasn't introduced himself. Well, well, okay, well, I'll ask next time. And then the next lesson, I'm like, well, I can't ask now because that's rude that I don't already know his name. <laughs> that's very British yeah. of you, I'd say. That's a very British <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, I feel very... I, I feel very in tune with with the British. <laughs> I know that sounds stupid to say, but yeah, as I said, uh, my my partner of eleven years is is British, and my uh, favorite band is probably Blur, followed by like Radiohead. So you know, I'm I'm maybe one of those Anglophile freaks, but um, but you know that was my that was my primary school. Even the creative stuff was very you know like rigid. Uh, and then I went to uh, this high school that was you know, a much, which was a, was a public school. I, I, uh, you know, gone, I got a scholarship to my primary school in, in New Zealand and it was a bit posh. And then I went to where, you know, my family was, was better suited, which was kind of, you know, public school in Australia. And there was like a rock band and you could join the rock band and like play, Oh, I can be in the school band and not be playing Bach. This is great. You know, I'm, I'm just playing, you know, like muse covers or whatever, like funny teenage music you're into. And uh, there was a theatre department and that was, I felt like where I really got to, you know, I started kind of performing and it turned out I had a, a knack for that. Not that I'm performing now, but it was just that like, I, I had like a, I found I had a sense of comedy and a sense of timing. And then I started doing a bit of directing in, in that school. And I didn't really do too much filmmaking there, but I felt like the theatre stuff that I was doing really made me think, oh, this is great. And then in my spare time, I was uh, I was learning VFX tutorials just because, as, as said, as a kid, I was obsessed with this stuff. And, and I, I didn't even know, I must have just stumbled upon it one day and, and realized like, oh, I can watch this in 45 minutes. I could make uh, my toy Pikachu explode uh, in After Effects. So, you know, I pirated After Effects and, and set and filmed my <laughs> Pikachu and that I had and, and made it blow up. And that just started this massive hobby of mine of just going through all these VFX tutorials because it's not like I had any, you know, dating prospects or anything. And so in my spare time, I was just, you know, ideating upon, you know, filmic technique and visual effects. And then at school, I, you know, was drama captain and was, you know, uh, performing all these plays and directing the school plays. And then um, there was a little competition on a, an American video game website. It was like an online magazine called the escapist magazine. It's uh, still around. And they did a film competition and, I thought I'm going to do, it. I'm going to make a short, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make an entry to this. And I wrote this thing and I wrote a couple of friends in to come and act in it. And, uh, you know, I filmed it and edited it, did some VFX and it won the competition, which was great because the prize was a contract turning that entry into the pilot episode of a web series. And so I was 17. It was my final year of high school. And I had this contract all of a sudden whereby every fortnight you are legally obligated to <laughs> produce a, an action comedy episode and then it will be uploaded on this website. And this is before YouTube or just maybe when YouTube's like literally just starting mm. and people, and you know, this magazine had an audience. So not only was I getting paid to like, you know, figure out filmmaking, which I was so, so thrilled with and really had no guidance. I could just do whatever I wanted. Nice. Um, but also there was an audience. So yeah, to 17 to 19, I was putting stuff up every two weeks and people were watching it and, becoming engaged in the online stories and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I could never rewatch that show. I think I, I would just, I think I would turn into like a gelatinous blob, but um, <laughs> uh, that, that was really how I figured it out. And, mm. and then from there, 
turned that into, well, you know, some people, uh, you know, kind of like me online, I'll start making some sketches for YouTube once that kind of show was finished. And yeah, so people started watching that and I managed to, to be fortunate to have some YouTube stuff go viral. And from there, I just, you know, kind of started that thing, then met people in the, uh, in the film industry and we kind of made some stuff together, you know, other indie, indie creators, people like uh, the, the, the great guys from late night films. And we kind of made some cool stuff together. And yeah, from there people took notice and some things got up and some things didn't. And, you know, we, we, we kind of kept going. Awesome. I mean, that's a cool break to get, I mean, especially in a, in a, in a nascent YouTube world uh, to be audience building like that. Cause I, I mean, you, you uh, I've seen a couple of your kind of sort of, comedy short type pieces and in particular this morning actually i i stumbled across your uh i think it's your force awakens george lucas special edition trailer yeah so there's everything from creating your own stuff to you know taking the piss out of others uh which is a great combination that force awakens trailer was was fun because that was a it, it's it's in short it was i thought a, i had a clever idea for a parody of that trailer within like 24 hours of that I, trailer coming out and I think within like 30 hours of it coming out, I had finished it. I canceled a date with my girlfriend. I was like, she had like literally driven to my house and parked and I called her and she was in the car and I said like, oh, no, I can't do anything. I, I got I got an idea. And she is the exact sort of person that's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Do that. I'll see you later. And it's great, you know? Oh, you're lucky there. Bloody hell. There's a lot of people who uh, that would be the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's just let me go away for a week by myself to like write, literally redraft a movie about a guy who's worried his relationship with his girlfriend is going to kill him. <laughs> you know, she couldn't be more cool. Um, uh, particularly interesting and appropriate or inappropriate. Yeah. But, but then that video was um, because it was released so quickly within, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it was a, it was a funny idea and it was released so quickly within the time frame where everybody was watching this trailer and thinking yeah. about it, that it, it kind of exploded online and, and, I use that, you know, the reason I bring it up in terms of talking like how, you know, of like things to get noticed maybe is I had, uh, you know, in the kind of year leading up to that, I'd made the biggest project of my life, which was a short film. You know, it's only, it was only seven minutes, but it was like, I was really going for it. It was like really extravagant visually. It was quite, uh, you know, it's like a, a seven minute long silent film that starts with like silent comedy about a spaceman crashing on earth with a time machine and, it opens with a big like chase scene through a meteorite field. And, and I, you know, did the VFX and directed that and da, 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 composed all the music. And it was like this baby of mine that I really was so proud of. And I didn't know how to release it because I thought, oh, what if nobody sees this now? This has been my blood, sweat and tears project for so long. And uh, when I just made this like a dumb, doofy Star Wars video, suddenly everybody was looking at my YouTube channel. And it wasn't my plan, but I suddenly thought, oh, crap, I got to release that your film. And, and so I released that, you know, the, the following, you know, again, within 24 hours of, of that, that uh, video <laughs> launch. Perfect timing. And, and, and it got so many people watching it. And actually, that was the, that was the project that I think, yeah, it was like the next day I got a call from the Weinstein Company, which, you know, back, back in the day, that was an exciting thing. And, yeah, you know, well, that was, was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I was living in my own basement in Melbourne. Like, that was a strange call to get. I didn't know how they got my number. And I that week, I got calls from everybody in America because uh, I've told the story before in podcasts. If anybody's a Michael Shanks completionist and they're listening to this, I'm sorry for repeating myself. But um, I get asked quite a bit sometimes about, like, how do you find reps? How do you find agents? Uh, and this was kind of my way because that week, you know, people were calling me and saying that your film, it, it went around the town. 
That's why we call it here. You're short filming around the town and oh my gosh, it's fantastic. You know, a lot of uh, kind of kind of weird Americans blowing smoke up your bum. Yeah. And yeah, like a, a week or two later, I was I was in LA and and that was the trip where I was, you know, kind of being interviewed by all the agents and I kind of chose some agents over there and that was kind of how I got repped in, in the States, which, you know, came, it was, there was some sort of, plan not not a plan but just like a recognition of like oh crap the iron's suddenly hot i got a strike um <laughs> which is the thing i've i've like failed to do <laughs> you know so many times since uh you know I, i've so many instances of cold irons striking but uh that that was one that that really uh worked out well for me awesome and so from there uh to wizard of oz i guess is your yeah. is that that's a kind of you know, sizable series commission, uh, which you wrote, directed, and and starred in. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. And um, you know, edited. I think Chris and I edited that together. We kind of did mm. different cuts, and I uh, like composed the score I and uh, did everything. Well, I, I did a lot. You did a lot of the VFX, most of the VFX, probably. But um, I, I got paid my writer's fee. That was the only fee of that that I that I got, and that was. Um, <laughs> But that was because it, it, it hopefully looks like a bigger budget project than it was because it was um, actually that short film that I'd made that I spoke about got the attention of Screen Australia and they reached out and said, hey, you know, we've seen the stuff, you know, we think you'd be a good candidate for some some funding. We have funding, uh, you know, available. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, I, I don't really know, you know, for anybody that's not from a place that has uh, sort of government funded uh, arts initiatives, that that's kind of how it goes in Australia. Mm. And uh and so they said, you know, we, we could fund like a web series if you had an idea. And, and I, you know, had had this idea for a wizard uh, kind of comedy. It was an idea I'd had for a while. And uh, yeah, I went away and I wrote that with a friend of mine, Nicholas Issel, and pitched him and they liked it. But they said, you know, the max budget we have is 350,000 Australian. And, you know, you and your indie, and I'd written 90 minutes of pretty full on special effects driven, like fantasy stuff. And, uh, and they said, you really like the scripts, but we, you can't do it for this budget because you have to pay everybody. Like I was used to that short film that I'd made, which looked hopefully quite big budget. I, I self-funded for six to seven grand. I think it was six grand mm. Australian, but that's because I didn't pay anybody because everybody was, you know, you know, just enjoying working on a short film or wanting yeah. to work on the short film. So that money just went to like materials and, and gear hire and that sort of thing. But when you have finance appropriately, Obviously, yeah, you pay everybody because it's a job. And and I didn't want to not pay everybody, but suddenly realized like, oh yeah, suddenly this huge amount of money, which which for me was like, oh my God, it's $350,000. You could like do anything for that. It immediately goes out the window because we have, yeah. you know, 45 speaking characters and just the uh, union, you know, day rates for actors is, is such. And so, you know, I played the lead character in that show. And I think that saved 20 grand because we didn't yeah. pay the lead actor then because the only people we couldn't pay for ourselves were ourselves. So myself and Chris, the producer, one of the producers, we we did 36 weeks of um, unpaid post-production work on it, whereby, wow. you know, we kind of got paid for, you know, I got paid my writer's fee and and he got paid. I, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, basically we got paid during production and then we're just kind of happy to sacrifice a long time to make the show that, that we kind of wanted to make, which is not a tenable, you know, that's a very, again, a very privileged position to be in because I could... Yeah, I, I moved back into my mom's place to do that. So I didn't have to pay rent. I, didn't, I wasn't buying a lot of my own food. Like I, I didn't have a lot of expenses. I just 
wasn't making any money, but yeah. it didn't matter because my life literally became wake up, sit at a computer, edit, edit, VFX, 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 VFX sleep and, and repeat. Repeat for. So for, yeah, it was yeah, just kind of a psychopathic year. thing to do. Yeah, but it's, it's sort of stuff that you have to do. And I think it's really good for people to, you know, to hear about it because. Well, you have to do for, for that sort of genre. You know, you, yeah. you don't necessarily have to do it for a housemate comedy. But, but as sort of said, like, that's just not an idea that I, even though I'll watch a housemate comedy and love it, like, that's just not an idea that I can think about creatively for a long time. It just, it just kind of falls out of my brain. Yeah. Well, yeah, sacrifices have to be made to try and do stuff, you know, especially when you want to want to have a bit of creative control over it, which is, I guess, where you're, you're succeeding across the board, in fact, because you're, you're doing stuff for you yeah for the most part i think now just to bring us right up to date michael before we sort of um wrap things up and you can plug anything you like uh rebooted is the thing that ben page sent me initially and said we've got to speak to this guy he's awesome <laughs> and uh yeah and it's it is very very cool you, can you just tell me about what just a very quick praise of rebooted what it is and then i think we should just talk about this because you've got like the ultimate combination of of stop motion and live action. And it really is about, you know, old school versus new school. So give us a praise and then we'll, we'll just have a quick chat about Rebooted. Definitely. Well, you know, I, we started this chat and I was talking about the ideas that I want to go towards are A, ones that I'd be really jealous of if somebody else came up with and B, ones that like are premises whereby in my head, like you can sum them up in a sentence or two and you get it and you've never seen that premise before. And I'm, I, I should be pretty well rehearsed in this one. So okay. let's go. So, uh, Rebooted tells the story of a stop motion animated skeleton who can no longer find work in modern Hollywood because he's an out of date special effect. Aside from my slight stumble between visual and special effect that we can. Yeah, we can forgive that. No, no, they're very well practiced. It felt more natural with the little stumble in there. Uh, That's not, true. Not, okay, too, no, not too polished. That was great. So it's, it's really charming. Uh, it's a really sweet little story. And the, you know, the kind of um, the story and method side of the kind of the old versus the new. Uh, had you done stop motion stuff prior to this? No, no, and which was quite intimidating, honestly, mm. because I just I just didn't know how how it was done, and I didn't do the animation. Obviously, we, we hired an animator, but it, it was a it was a new 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 process for for me, and it, and it's not just uh, stop motion and and, and the piece. You know, going back to like the tenets of, of what I want to do with, with my work is I, I really have two tenets and one is to, do I say tenet or tenet? Anyway, uh, <laughs> the first one is um, premises you can sum up in a sentence or two that you can go like, oh, I haven't seen that before. And two is visuals I've never seen before. Mm. In, in, a, in a post CGI world, you can watch something like Doctor Strange and that has visuals that are neat but I kind of sometimes look at that stuff and just go like, they just did everything on the, like everything's achievable now in a digital thing. But I, I want to see new stuff, not just kind of more stuff. And with Rebooted, I realized, well, that's a premise. I came up with a premise first and thought it was kind of neat and then thought, hold on, that means you could show the, the whole history of Hollywood special and visual effects coexisting in the same frame. And that was something I'd never seen before. That's something I kind of wanted to see. And it was also something that made me go, that means I get to do all of those special effects and I get to hire people that can do them, you know, assuming we can, we can get this made. So as well as it, it's a live action film and the 
you know, the, the, the main character is stop motion, but they exist within our world. You know, the, the gag is he's that all special and visual effects characters are actors. And so they, they go to auditions with their audition by human casting managers and, you know, and directors and pr human uh, producers. But then the main character is a stop motion animated skeleton. His uh, kind of posse of friends include an animatronic velociraptor, a, uh, an old timey uh, 2D uh, animation that exists within a, a cell paper frame. We've got an early CGI like Liquid Metal Man, whose name in the script was early '90s Liquid Metal Man. <laughs> and um, uh, what else is there? I'm sure I'm forgetting a a, a key thing. But um, oh, and yeah, there's like a like a creature from the Black Lagoon style suit. But we're saying the suits the character, so it's like kind of just like this limp, hollow suit that just kind of you know kind of flops about uh, because it actually has no innards. Because that was the other thing that I found fun about the premise is I, I, I realized like, okay, cool. Then you can make, then you can make, essentially, if you have a team of them, they can have kind of uh, superpowers based on the kind of fourth wall breaking constraints of their production. So there's a, there's a moment in the, in the script where um, uh, the animatronic dinosaur kind of creeps up and, and scares a guard, much like the Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. But the guard just, you know, unplugs it because it's animatronic and it can just like, and that's how you defeat that. There was, you know, there was uh, the other kind of tentpole of special and visual effects creatures that I wanted to put in there was a marionette, but just in the in the different iterations of the script, uh, it, it just kind of kind of fell over. But and I was thinking, yeah, because the power of that is is it can you know tangle somebody up, you know, in its strings. Like that's kind of a fun way because I wanted to put a little action sequence in there where everybody you know does something based on their kind of abilities. I was thinking a lot of um. Cabin in the Woods. I don't know if you've seen Cabin in the Woods, mm -hmm. but at the, you know, it's this kind of meta horror movie whereby in an underground facility, there's all the horror monsters from every genre and they do this ritual where they kind of release one every year to kill uh, a bunch of teenagers in the woods. And at the end, that the, the, the facility is overrun, the, you know, the containment breach, containment breach, you know, the SWAT guys go in to take out the monsters, but every monster comes in. And I was just thinking, like, I love the idea of doing that but what if all the monsters were from different eras of filmmaking? Mm -hmm. And whilst in that scene, you have, you know, the dragon breathes fire and the sort of mer person, you know, drowns somebody or such and such. Like, what if it was a claymation character sticks their fist in the fire so it kilns so they can punch harder, you know? What if it's a marionette that can dangle somebody up a string? What if there's a 2D animation that can turn 90 degrees so they're invisible along their Z-axis? Like, stuff like that really... Uh, really charms me and that was uh although it was only a short you know I, I tried to jam pack as much of that sort of stuff in as I could within the 13 kind of minute length of the script whilst also hopefully trying to be again ha have a degree of pathos to it you know this is me being like here's what I hope to do because I'm so clever um but you know the, the idea was to that, that that's all the fun and games but hopefully you identify with the story of somebody who's yeah. you know basically past their prime uh, the, the other thing that I was thinking of with the idea was um, the, the Restless starring Mickey Rourke. Just uh, so, you know, the way that we shot the film, I was thinking visually of like an indie drama, like handheld, kind of natural light, a bit grimy, added some grain to it. Because I just thought like, I want to watch Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler, but he's a stop motion animated <laughs> skeleton. Like that's that's a funny <laughs> movie. That's... <laughs> That's the way you should pitch it, I think. Uh, well, yeah, it's too late now. You made it. So, I think that was honestly that was the the other sentence that I would say. Okay, it's a good sentence. Well, it's 
it is it is really lovely and i i would uh strongly encourage our listeners to go and watch it just just search for uh rebooted michael yeah. shanks on youtube that the... yeah or rebooted short film i think it's the, rebooted the top short part, film yeah. perfect there you go that's what to do there's, yeah so there's a there's a real kind of meta side to a lot of the stuff that you put out it seems you know cr- crossing worlds that wouldn't normally be crossed be that the fantasy and you know wizardry world with uh normal australian life normal i say or in this with um you know old out of time monsters and creatures that don't normally live in the real world and yeah it's a it's a lovely mixture of stuff and i'm sure our um, listeners will enjoy it if you had the budget given to you michael as a final question and you were told uh okay so um we want you michael shanks to remake thunderbirds and uh it doesn't matter where you pitch it at kind of uh, age age wise and all that kind of stuff but you can either recreate it perfectly as supermarination as as it was done in the 1960s or you can use complete different toolbox you can go live action vfx whatever you want there's no right answer here by the way but what no, would it's you choose uh, because i definitely wouldn't you know cgi up the thunderbirds or something and it's funny, like, I, I'm sure you've discussed this before, but I, I, I would be interested to know of uh, your relationship to the Jonathan Frakes film, which I've never actually seen. But I, I, I like to, I kind of just love Jonathan Frakes because I'm a big Star Trek kind of guy. And I think he's like a, like a funny, like, sort of, like, celebrity that could only exist in the 90s. Um, <laughs> but I, I really like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can summarise the relationship uh, with the following sound. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, not, I mean, ninety-five percent, I would say, of of classic Thunderbirds fans can't stand the film. I've never seen it. It just didn't look like, as a Thunderbirds fan, and being probably of a, a relatively appropriate age to to mm. be the target audience. I just, yeah, it probably would have been. No, it was it was Thunder <laughs> Spy Kids. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But okay, if I if I were rebooting it, I think that I would. Okay. Obviously, I'm trying to give you a really real answer. But, you know, I've obviously just been pitched this question. I, I would definitely... <laughs> I like the surprise. I, I'm not just leaning into this because we just spoke about it, but I, I would definitely be trying to do a meta thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would maybe... I, I Obviously, I've made rebooted, which is kind of similar, but I would maybe wonder if you could do a thing where they are puppets or they play, but they're in a real world that's surrounded by humans, you know, like, like live action people. I wouldn't do it as a dimensional rift or something. I always feel like that's a bad way to do that. I just like started in the real world and, the, and these, those characters are just puppets or, you know, maybe it's toy story or something. And it's about, you know, it's, it's, it's about a young Jamie Anderson <laughs> coming Aww. into the kind of, you know, blowing dust off the old puppets, but they kind of come back to life or, you know, something like that or, and there's some sort of adventure that they help out with. I think I think that would be the way to go because I think that the the idea of Thunderbirds, if you strip out the the marionettes, mm. is still a good idea, but a, a much less interesting one. So I think that the 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 form is so important and the artistry on display is so important that you wouldn't want to lose that because otherwise it you, it would be so easy to make it probably like just like a what I imagine a live action film is which is just kind of like a James Bondy team movie for kids um Pretty much. so we wouldn't want to lose that but also it, I, I I think that would be very niche if you just kept it as that so you have to find mm. some 
Dan Harmon used to say this on his podcast a lot, which I listened to years ago, where he said that he believed, you know, in the sort of art where the painting could uh, include the frame. And I really like that. I, I like including Ooh, the frame in, nice. in my work. And I think that'd be a way to do it. Okay. That is a great analysis. I, li- I like that. I'll t- we'll take that quote as um, the subtitle for the podcast episode. Uh, I mean, oh, hold on. Here's, here's, here's a take. So this is, this has been kind of done. I feel like this is sort of like what, like maybe even like Johnny English is like, but what if there were like, you know, a big crisis in the real world and, you know, we've got kind of our human modern spy agents that have to kind of, you know, uh, sort it out, but we need some, we need some experts. We need the old team and in come the Thunderbirds, you know, the, the, the puppets. And they have to work with a kind of, it's a bit like spy almost, but there, there's the kind of cool, modern, sleek, sexy spy who's played by Idris Elba, you know, and, and he doesn't want to work with these, these puppets, but over the course of the, of the film, you know, they, they find some value, the old and new working together. Something like that could be kind of funny. That sounds very much like the Michael Shanks uh, version of, uh, of Thunderbirds, for sure. The old and new coming together. So you've heard it here first, uh, Podsterons. That's that's Michael's vision. Uh, you can send your checks to uh, Michael Shanks' secret location uh, just outside Melbourne, Australia. So, Michael, if, if people want to find your work or find you on social media, how do they do that? Where's best to follow you? Uh, well, you can see all, uh, you see all my work on on YouTube, but um, you can kind of follow me in any social media platform: Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, with my username, which is for strange reasons, Tim Tim Fed, T I M T I M F E D. That is my sort of a uh, uh, alias, I suppose. Okay, is that one of those things where you set up an email address when you're young, or use a username and then it just sticks, even though it was kind of meaningless or silly? It's exactly that. And, and, and the actual email address of my like, YouTube account, which is kind of my most important social media platform, like is linked to is an even much worse like childhood email account. Okay. And often when I get sent stuff and I accept like a calendar invitation, it says that that account is following. And then I get emails from the people is like, sorry, who's this? Who's this person? This person's. Oh, I think I may have got one of those, you know. Princess 69. Um, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, don't, yeah, don't search for that specifically, but Tim Tim Fed, uh, or just search Michael Shanks online and, uh, and go and watch Rebooted immediately. Michael, it's been really great chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Nice to meet you. Enjoy your nice writing. Hang out. Yes, with a beer. Well, I did warn you it was an unusual suggestion yeah. for uh, well, the Thunderbirds well, reboot. It? So um, yeah. what <laughs> okay. do you think, Bonserons? Would you watch Michael Shanks' uh, meta, the meta birds are not go thing? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I uh, mean, I would. Okay, fair enough. There you go. you got one yeah. vote, Michael. Uh, I, I'm yeah. not sure how many others, but maybe you're onto okay. something there. Let's, uh, let's see. Anyway, Michael, thank you for uh, uh, you know dropping out of your your writing time to give us that yeah. lovely chat it was a great time having a chat with you and uh, he got through a couple of beers while we were having a chat you know well quite right too you must Why be not? watching Dick Spanner or the Secret Service <laughs> that's right uh, now we're going to cross back to the UK next week uh, and don't worry Richard I'm not putting you to work it's me again oh phew this time we've got another celebrity mastermind champion really oh have we yeah so we've already had some not Mira Ahmed no, not Fred Housko. Oh. oh, okay. Such an unusual surname, isn't that? I was a kid isn't at my it? school yes. called Michael Housko. I wonder if they're related. I wonder. Um, anyway, uh, no. Yeah. So we've had Samira Ahmed before, whose specialist subject was Space 1999, and she won yep. Celebrity Mastermind. Yep. Next week, this chap's Celebrity Mastermind subject was Thunderbirds, 
Oh. You may know him from Homes Under the Hammer. Oh. It's TV's Martin Roberts. Great. And oh, fantastic. Uh, I instantly offended Martin when we began our conversation. Uh, as you oh, know, dear. Richard, it's one of the things I'm very good at. Uh, yes. Because uh, he was in his man cave when he was doing the interview. And uh, yeah. over his shoulder, I could see a puppet. And obviously, because there aren't that many puppets around, I thought, uh, that's a replica, isn't it? So I, I said, oh, who made that? And then I reeled off a couple of names of replica makers. Yeah. And uh, Martin was mortally offended and said, oh. replica? That's not a bloody replica, mate. That can't. And he, wow. and, uh, no, it was a real one. It's a genuine, it? genuine screen used guest character puppet, uh, which he'll talk about on the interview. Oh, wow. So Great. there you go. How to offend yeah. an interviewee within 30 seconds of starting the chat. <laughs> Whoops. Well, Sorry, Martin. Yeah, um, yeah, yes, yeah. but we'll look forward to that next week. Yeah, absolutely right. How exciting. Meanwhile, over on Twitter, people have been hashtagging us Jerry Anderson Podcast, mm. tagging me, Richard M. James, him, I'm Jamie Anderson, and him over there just icing the cake, Chris Dalek. For example, an objectionable tone tweeted, uh, seeing today's edition of Jerry Anderson Podcast, I can't quite shake the idea that the guest Michael Shanks is the Stargate SG-1 actor, but it is a different one, I think. It is oh, a different yes. one. This is the, the error that people made, I noticed, but who cares? Indeed. Yeah. Bit of fun. Uh, Jeff <laughs> Owen says, uh, listening to uh, Jamie Anderson talk about how nice a person Wanda Ventham is in episode 153 mm. of the Jerry Anderson podcast, I wonder if there's anyone in the Jerry Anderson universe, living or dead, that Jamie hasn't met and would love have done to have done, would have loved to. Right. Was that, yeah. that was living or dead, yeah, I said. think that sort of makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyone who didn't meet but wanted to? didn't well barry gray ah oh, yeah the unassuming yeah. barry gray i'm sure he would have been absolutely charming and uh, yes and that's right um, yeah oh, so there's one nice. for sure yeah yeah uh, yeah well, that, that'll do me yeah uh becca after listening to the uh, terror from the stars snippet tweeted ah truly fab everything comes together really well here the cast are an absolute joy and i can't wait to hear this in full uh, donald tweeted i received my pre-order it was an awesome production the voices were pretty good the story was great i can't wait for other thunderbirds audio dramas in the near future great job to the cast and crew mm. and tony tweeted the first records i ever bought were audio episodes on singles there was one where you turned it over and played the parts yourself i think it was stingray hmm. what just a just a blank side of the disc and you just had to say it i don't understand that no but sounds interesting yeah I'm not sure about so that tony one. write us a drops a line podcast at jerryamson.co.uk uh, tell us more about that that's an interesting idea yeah more not quite sure how it work yeah exactly <laughs> so there we are yeah so do get in touch via twitter facebook email you know the addresses by now drop them in i read them out Bosh. <laughs> Gosh, that's a great catchphrase. Yeah, isn't it? Drop them in, I'll read them out. Bosh. <laughs> Lovely. And you, you only said you knew the address by now because you'd forgotten it, didn't you? You've forgotten Yeah, it. what is it again? Podcast at yeah. jerryanderson.co.uk. Oh, that's, that's it. It's only been three years. It has. Now, something we've not quite had three years of. Oh, yeah. yeah it's Christelle's randomizer because he wasn't in yes. the first uh -huh. episode. Yeah, true. So I think next week is the third anniversary of the randomizer. Right. I may be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that is the case. So yeah, yeah. it's Chris's pre-birthday uh, randomizer where he comes along with his randomizer, which selects at random a random Jerry mm -hmm. Anderson episode, which Chris then watches mm -hmm. and at gives random. his at random, yes, absolutely, and gives his not so random thoughts and observations uh, on that yes. episode. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's a fan favorite section of the uh, the podcast. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. So I should probably mm. stop um, sort of rambling on. 
and yes. uh, let you listen to the randomizer yes. now. Yes. Well, come on then. Well, Chris has finished the cake, so okay, Chris, oh. over to you. Mm. 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 You rang the lady? Yes, Parker. What's today's episode? Desperate intruder. Thank you, Parker. You may start the episode. Very good, Belady. Gosh, this dress is comfy. So, welcome back to Thunderbirds on the Randomizer for the third anniversary of the Jerry Anderson podcast. We have Desperate Intruder. And uh, this is an episode that um, I was actually surprised to find is is very popular among, among uh, Thunderbirds fans. When I was first sort of exploring the worlds of Thunderbirds online fandom, which would have been 20 years ago now, um, it has grown on me quite a lot since then. National Rescue! To the point where I really do see what, what people like about it so much. Members seek further glory in the hunting of ancient treasures. Here's the hood filling us in on, uh, on this week's story. You will fail. I love the idea that he spends so much of his time in between appearances just sat on a th on a chair. He's not even on like a throne, he's just on basic gold, obviously, chair. Just going, international rescue. Oh, I hate them so much. They and their expedition will be buried at the bottom of Lake Anasta. I'm not quite sure how he came by this information. My half-brother. You will help me. Because it's not like he's now calling up Kirano to find out exactly what they're doing now. Where's Kirano gone? He seems to already know all about this, so... It is useless to resist. I don't know, maybe he read it in the paper again. The secret of the lake must be mine. Kirano! But it, it does sort of launch us right into the action. Um, we don't really need to waste time Answer. being told how the Hood found out about any of this. Does the International Rescue Expedition set off? <laughs> because he's just, he's busy tormenting poor old Kirano again. In another fairly intense scene for this show. To make a survey of the temple. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget to save me a gem or two, Tintin. Everybody's giving them as Christmas presents this year. Right, Scott. Anything special you would like, John? <laughs> oh, don't ask him that. Well, I think I'd rather have a dirty older bar of gold. Do you think Jeff's actually looking at John with an expression of, who the hell let you down here? Uh, get back in your space cage. Tracy? It seems oh, nice. someone actually asked John what he wanted out of life. That's that's rather sad. I don't think anyone's ever asked him that before. Fetching new swimsuits you had sent on Tintin. Oh. Well, vacation or not, you deserve a break, both of you. Ah, Kirano. Because mm. Lord knows out of all of us, Tintin is the one who does the most work. Ready. Ah, good. Virgil's ready for launching, Tintin. You and Brains better make your way to the passenger elevator. Your father and I are going to the end of the strip to watch the launching. Very nice close-up of Tintin there. She looks very pretty. For the launch. Yes, Father. John? I don't know. Just just go and sit in a corner somewhere. Yeah, I don't think John... It's his one of his few appearances on Earth, and I'm not sure he appears again after this. We'll have to keep an eye out for him. Only ten short days, Kirano, and then she'll be back. That is what I keep 
uh, telling myself, Mr. Tracy... What's that belt Jeff's wearing there? These fears. Come now. It looks almost like a sort of... A beautiful lake, miles... Judo belt? Karate belt? Be safer. Is Jeff a black belt in something? Uh, here we go. Here's a big old lorry rolling through the desert. And at the wheel we find... Sand. Sand. Nothing but sand. It's rough and coarse and irritating. And it gets everywhere. I do like the look of uh, of deserts in Thunderbirds, though, because you, you don't really need to add a whole lot to make it look convincing. You just need a sand pit. And yet, something about just these endless expanses of desert in, in Thunderbirds always look really nice. We had that in uh, The Uninvited as well. And of course, there's that beautiful Lake Anasta. Oh, look, Brains. The pyramids. Oh, there they are. No zombites living underneath those pyramids. And of course, those are the pyramids that she will later forget seeing in, in Thunderbird 6. And we're well up to time, too. Just think, Brains. In a few more hours, we'll be down there. But she does go through quite a bit of trauma in this episode, so I wouldn't blame her for forgetting. From what I've heard, he's quite a character. The best man in his field. Now look. And that field would be... Not the part. You've got to move fast. We mustn't let the professor know that you're connected with International Rescue in any way. That's right, Virgil. And if he asks, we came out to the Middle East by charter flight. All set, Brains? Which is why, um, B. Tintin has got a, an Airterranean handbag on her, which is quite, uh, quite a nice touch. Not only is it a reuse of an old prop, it also fits in with their cover story for this, uh, this little outing. Oh, and Thunderbird 2 coming into land, which always looks lovely. Especially when it opens the pot and you get these extreme close-ups on, on Thunderbird 2's hull, all those plates and bits that I don't really know what they do, and I'm sure the people who built the models don't really know what they're supposed to do. But that's one of the things I think we all love about Thunderbird 2, is we don't quite know how it all works, and we also accept that any episode could introduce a, a, a random new feature. And this is pod 5, loading out. One of those uh, lovely desert jeeps. Which looks very similar to the ones seen in The Uninvited. Towing a caravan. So we're already in, in rather unfamiliar territory here, but it's very nice to be focusing on international rescue, but in a story that we can already see is going to be something a bit out of the norm, a bit unusual. It's not going to revolve around the sort of high-tech thing going wrong and needing saving thing. Or the alternative was, was normally, in later episodes, Lady Penelope spy stuff. I'm on my way home again. Right, Virgil. You keep in touch. But here we have something that's a bit different, but also not the kind of bit different that the series would later get, sort of get stuck in a rut in with, with Penelope. And now to meet up with Professor Blakely. He should be at the crossroads three miles along this road. He's coming down the other desert highway. Ah, uh, here we go. A bit of, uh, a bit of stereotyping here with, um, oh, what's this driver's name? Hassan Ali. Luxury taxis, distance, no object. Uh, doors optional. Oh, dear. Why, Jingo, what was that? Nothing, Master. Nothing. Well, I just hope we make it, that's all. Got an appointment I'm rather anxious to keep. And another wonderful Peter Dine, the, uh, 
silly British gentleman character in the mould of uh, Sir, Sir Jeremy Odge. Yes, Professor Blakely. Oh, it's beautifully cool in here. Yeah. <laughs> Brains and Tintin have already set up the caravan with the minibar and the air conditioning. 12 in the shade outside. What on earth was that? Professor Blakely, I presume. Hello there. What or not? <laughs> oh, why did they bother calling him Professor Blakely? Can't they just call him Professor Stereotype? Sure glad to meet you too, uh, old boy. May I introduce you to my uh, assistant, Miss Tintin Kirano? You're delighted, I'm sure. Charming, charming. And yet it is so... It's so delightful, these throwbacks to what even at the time must have been a slightly slightly bygone era, but the thought that this this kind of, of, of Blakely. archetype will be down to the old lake and make doing the rounds in the future. Let me just um, pay off this cabbie and I'll be right with you. Lots of old, what, what, what? What's the damage then, old boy? Gentlemen, it's just, oh, it's lovely. I love this stuff. I also love that all of the pilots are sort of Biggles models at London Airport. They're good safari. Oh, yes. Oh, he's got uh, a picture of a lady in the back of the cab there. Perhaps you would care uh, to come into the caravan, sir, for a cooling drink before we set off. Yes, well, uh, I dare say the treasure can wait. Don't think anyone's going to steal it from under our noses, eh? <laughs> we also, I don't think, find out how Brains and Tintin and the Professor all got onto this uh, this treasure at the same time. We just have to accept that they do. Meanwhile, the Hood is is loading out his submarine from his, his big uh, desert lorry thing, and I love this submarine. It may not be so stealthy because it's a sort of gunmetal grey blue, but uh, I love the design of it. It's so simple. It's so. It's just so. It's just so basic, but it works really well. And uh, who is it who owns this um, this prop nowadays? Is it is it Peter Jackson owns that that model? He's a lucky guy, if so. And going back to unusual things about the setup for this episode, I also really like that it's Brains and Tintin. Look, Professor, it's the Anasta pipeline. That means the lake must be quite near. I feel that these are these are two characters who work really well together. They complement each other so well. And Professor, well do just that. To be honest, it's one of the more underrated partnerships of, of Thunderbirds, and certainly by the end of the series, Tintin in particular is um may as well not be there anymore because she's so underused so it's nice that there it is that not only do we have a focus on non-rescue stuff at least to start with we're not stuck with the the regular you know the tracy family and and or penelope and parker we've got brains tintin and of course the hood who is already in the lake with his submarine my friends are just in time in fact Dead on time. And uh, I believe we've had the hood appear on the randomizer before in in Crywolf, and the hood is an interesting villain because he's he's not the sort of full scale, genuinely terrifying, sinister presence that Captain Black consistently is in in Scarlet, but he's also not the sort of silly knockabout villains of. Uh, of earlier shows, he's something in between. For over 100 years. And very often in this show, when when they try to present the hood as 
as genuinely sinister and scary, it really works. And uh, bring me back something interesting. Cry Wolf, oddly enough, is an example of that, and this episode as well is. So, um, yeah, it's all good stuff so far. And now we're into some lovely underwater swimming stuff. Ah, it's pretty. And I get the feeling that uh, most people kind of dread underwater scenes in, in uh, live-action TV shows and films because it all goes so slowly. There it is. It's a temple. Yay, they found it. Didn't take long. Uh, but um, with the puppet swimming... Now, be very careful, Tintin. Professor Blakely was right. We don't really have to experience that slowdown because they're, they're not moving in human real time. They're moving in puppet time. So... It's just lovely. There's so much creativity. There's so much attention to detail in all of this underwater stuff. Good. They're going to lead me straight to the treasure. Yeah, well, it doesn't look like the temple was particularly well hidden. It's amazing no one's discovered all this before. I mean, I don't know. I'd love to... Maybe I've waffled over it, but I would love to know the backstory of this... Uh, temple did professor blakely just wake up one day and go i say what uh, i suspect there's a sort of uh, ruined temple down there lots of treasure don't you know and uh, maybe maybe we'd uh, go have a gander at that and as a kid i know now obviously that there's uh, there's an aquarium between the camera and the set but as a kid it never occurred to me the problem is that the puppets weren't in water contains the treasure Let's try that one over there. Yeah. Let's try until we find the one that it's in. Oh, so many ruined bits of statues and pillars and columns all over the place. It's Again, by now, having done so much like this in previous shows, they must have had so much stuff to hand to just throw in here. Sample of it back to the professor. Yay, underwater pickaxe action. It's not the most thrilling, but uh, it does paint the picture of uh, archaeology in the Thunderbirds world being terribly easy. Oh, Professor, I'm going to bring you up a sample from the central column. A jolly good show. You bring it up and we'll have a look at it before lights out. What do you contribute to this expedition exactly? Just to sort of stand there and go, oh, jolly good, yes, rather. Which actually is, is fine. I wish there were more people like that in the world. They have found the treasure, but where? I think I can persuade them to tell me. This is the most easy expedition in the history of archaeology. It's quite quite astonishing. Brains has brought a piece of the column back to the caravan. Uh, look there, Professor. What's that? Mr. Brains, Miss Kirano, I'm glad to say that the Anasta expedition is a success. Hoorah! Located the lost treasure. Yeah. Brains, we must radio Mr. Tracy right away and tell him. <laughs> How long did that take? Ten minutes? Well... This is why you need brains on the case. Oh, beautiful. I always knew my theory was correct. Oh, it's your theory, was it? Oh, boy. Tomorrow, I can collect lots more evidence. I like as well that he's not obsessed with, like, we've got to collect all the treasure. It's more, I can collect evidence to prove my scientific theory. But who's this at the door? Who'd be calling on brains at this hour? Oh, 
Well, it's a suspicious-looking character. What do you want? Who looks a lot like the hood, and there's those glowing eyes. And here is where the hood gets very sinister. It wasn't. It, it was already sinister when he was cutting his way into um, yeah. Williams's room in uh, in Crywolf. But here, actually seeing him confronting one of our heroes, one of the members of International Rescue, which he so rarely does. Yeah, knocks out brains. That is interesting, actually, in this show that the hood is kept so far out of the last treasure in the lake, out of contact with the heroes. Did he tell you this? He reported in before turning in for the night. It's quite strange that the arch enemy of a show would just be, you know, so rarely they would be, so rarely be in the same same shot, same scene with each other. Pay them our congratulations then. Why, Grandma? What's the matter? You look like you'd swallowed your eggs bone. <laughs> I don't know what Tintin wants to go down hunting that treasure for. She's got enough pretty jewelry already. Ah, but they're not going down there to rob the temple. It's all in the interest of science. Now, whatever they find goes back with Professor Blakely to the International Museum of Archaeology. Well, back to work, I suppose. Hmm. I'm going up to the lounge to wait for the next call. What exactly is it we do in between rescues? Pleased with themselves. And there was John at the breakfast table with Gordon. And here we go. Oh, my goodness. This is one of the... Even today, this sight of brains buried in the sand still still gets to me. It's so... I don't know, it's it's so sad. It's so... You don't hurt brains. It's like... Professor, You know, where? in certain shows, you have, like, a character who's so sweet and innocent, they're almost like a puppy, and you don't hurt the puppy. And that's how I feel, seeing brains buried in the sand up to his neck like this. Staring eyes... What happened? Oh! Especially with the the makeup on the the lips, how dry and cracked they are. I've gotta get some water. Yeah, it's not like Brains is like one of our regular man of action type characters who's you know always always first into the fray. No, he's 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 the tech support and he's a bit more relatable than the Tracys. Oh, and there's there's Tintin just in a sort of catat catatonic trance. The professor has obviously been um been physically assaulted he's got uh, got cuts and bruises on his head Professor. that's him basically out of the story unfortunately it's no use he must have got them too and again it's it's almost more interesting that it, that happens off screen we don't see what you do then, the hood and, and and tintin and and blakely having those scenes together we we see the effect of the hood's eyes on on brains and we can surmise what happened when the hood got to the other two done with the others especially with Blakely when the lab is obviously being torn apart he's obviously been uh, want some been hurled about the place where is the treasure concealed in the underwater temple I've gotta have some water I'd be interested to know how they actually I saw you come from that did this scene as well would they have just buried a regular brains puppet you know, would they have buried him as the hood has buried the the real character, or is this perhaps just a torso with a head? Tell me where the gold is, and then I shall let you and your friends go. I suspect it is probably just a full body puppet as normal. Choice to make. Oh, that's it. Brains passed out. I don't get it. Brains has never been late before. Look, Kirano, go and fetch Scott, will you? Yes, Mr. Tracy. 
you want any of your other sons? You have this John here. He might be able to provide a new insight into the situation. No, no, just Scott. Do you read me? That's strange as well. That's rather sad on a, on a story that's so character-focused. You've got John there. Why don't you let him do something? And it's rather eerie as well, the shots of Tintin in a trance. The puppet just is not moving at all, not even the eyes. I just don't understand it. Brains hasn't checked in yet, and he's overdue now by 14 minutes. Well, it's certainly not like Brains to lose contact completely, like this. Father, it's... Yes, it's the emergency signal. Right, that settles it. You better get out there, Scott, fast. So that's... Who's that going to be? Tintin set that off? We don't know. It'd have to be Tintin, I, I presume, as uh, the professor wouldn't know anything about it, and Brains is uh, otherwise occupied with sand. All right, Scott. Virgil will be following you. Proceed at maximum speed. You betcha, Father. Also nice as well that um, there's enough story in this episode that we don't need the full Thunderbird 1 and 2 launch sequences. We just send them off. That's it. Into the advert break. No... Uh, no need to spend, well, it's normally about a full five minutes getting both of them launched. It shows that, you know, if you've got enough story material, don't need to waste time with that. Just boom. For a, a, a story that um, is only really set in one location, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a really good pace to this one. Back at the camp, we see, well, Brains is still in the sand. Tintin is still in a trance. So uh, uh, who sent that emergency call? In International rescue from Anasta base. Oh. oh, was it brains? Did he manage to do it somehow? In just nine more minutes, I shall go to see whether my friend from International Rescue has changed his mind. No man can stay in the burning sun so long without having his tongue loosened. That's a very cool line. But um, why nine minutes, specifically? I could go in seven minutes, or I could go in eleven, but nine is optimum. Here's Thunderbird 1. See, it's got there very quickly. There's no... For national rescue! What is happening? <laughs> you, you had to consider that that was a possibility. When you tangle with members of International Rescue, other members of International Rescue might just, might just show up to ruin your day. Virgil, what's your ETA? ETA now 2.5 minutes, Father. Father! Yes? Father, I can see brains down below in the sand. So? He's buried in the sand, up to his neck. I'm going down now. And Tintin? What about Tintin? This is always good stuff as well, when there's, some, when there's a member of International Rescue directly endangered. Whether it's Scott in The Uninvited, or Brains and Tintin in this, or Virgil in, in Terror in New York City, or... So. They have found my victim in the sand. I was going to say Alan and Grandma are in Move and You're Dead, but that situation is just so so contrived that it doesn't quite fall into the same category. But I, I really like it when other members of International Rescue are, are seriously worried about, about their friends and colleagues. It makes the stakes much more personal than uh, just, oh, here's generic guy stuck in building that's on fire. Estimated time of arrival now one minute. And he's brought Gordon along with him because, you know, John is right there. But, no... John doesn't count. Water. Brains. Who on earth did this to you? Oh. Scott. Thank heaven. Where's Tintin? I don't know, fella. We'll, we'll soon find her. 
Now don't you worry about a thing. First, I'm going to get you out of here. Some more great voice acting there as well from David Graham and, and Shane Rimmer. Just brains is weariness and Sh- Shane Rimmer's just, oh my goodness, who did this to you? A veritable swarm of Thunderbirds. Oh, that's another great line, isn't it? As Thunderbird 2 lands. See, now the Hood's happy that all this uh, international rescue backup has arrived. Because he can get that camera out and take those pictures. The first part of my plan. Or is it going to be a bit more elaborate than that? No, he's turned on the camera. <gasps> oh, there's the uh, camera detector. And of course, Scott isn't in Thunderbird 1. He's busy uh, digging... Uh, Tintin! Brains out of the sand. Virgil's found Tintin. I still don't know who sent that rescue signal. As Tintin's very much out of it. Well, how do you feel now, Brains? Oh, I, I'm uh, all right, but, but Tintin, she's gonna be okay. But the professor's not so good. Okay, Tintin, try again. There was this stranger you said. Yes, that's right. And he had these terrible eyes that I, I couldn't look away from and and as he spoke I I felt I, w- I was slipping away all the time it was horrible who do you think it could have been Tintin this is nice did you recognize him no I, I, I had never seen him before in my life and and yet I, I felt I knew him in in some far off way Virgil, I'm so sleepy still. That's, the, I think, the only acknowledgement in the show that um, Tintin is is connected with the Hood. We're all mighty relieved of the news. And it's something that the show never really explored. Obviously, we know that the Hood is connected to Kirano, but no one in the show ever seems to, to put these pieces together. And the Anasta expedition? Listen, Scott. Brain's treasure at the bottom of the lake will have to wait. International Rescue was not set up to go joyriding round on treasure trails. At this moment, it's not even functional. Is that- but you've got John, Father. Oh, gee. Yeah, something that uh, was touched on more in the, the John Thaden novels, uh, the, the Tracys finally putting their heads together about the whole Hood's connection to them thing and uh, trying to get to the bottom of it. What's the news from base? Well, Father is going to arrange for a helicopter to ship out the Professor to hospital, and uh, then he says we've got to hot-footed back to base. Yeah, the Professor just gets rather sidelined. Just just basically booted out of the episode at this point, which is a shame. There's just one thing that puzzles me. What's that, Scott? Well, after Father had gone off the air, I noticed that the photo alert had been operating. But that's impossible. Who could be taking photographs of Thunderbird in this area? There's nobody within miles of us. Except for... that guy from last night. That's it? Why didn't I think of this before? It's not a big revelation, really. I regret to say that this whole expedition has been used by our enemies as a means of drawing international rescue to a lonely spot. We have walked straight into a trap. Well, no, not really. It's Again, that's a very cool line of dialogue, but the Hood didn't set up the expedition as such, did he? He knew about it, but he didn't know when it was happening. He had to rely on you guys to set it up and go out there so that he could follow along. It's not really a plan he's hatched as such. He's just sort of improvising, uh, making uh, making use of what's going on uh, as it happens. Anyway, it's now nighttime. Tintin is in bed, and who should enter but... Oh, shh. Uh, Tintin, it's only me. Brains, what are you doing up at this time of night? Tintin, I haven't been able to sleep for worry. What about? Well, you heard what Mr. Tracy said about the Anasta expedition having caused international rescue a lot of trouble. I love this stuff too. I don't think he meant we had done it deliberately. 
No, but I feel awfully guilty about it, and to cap it all, we've got someone spying on us. That Brains would feel personally responsible for everything that's happened. Yeah, that's what I figured. And there's only one place he could be observing us from. The centre of the lake. He's a nice guy, is Brains, and I think that's why he's, he's my favourite Thunderbirds character. Brains, you're not going out into the lake tonight. Tintin, I am. I'm going to see what's down there. Now, here's what I want you to do. Even if this is a bit irresponsible, I also really like, though, that for the rest of the episode, the puppet is showing the physical signs of his, his torture in the desert, in the sand. He's, he's still got the cracked lips, and he's got these sort of almost greenish-gray bags under his eyes. Tintin obviously still looks fabulous. Uh, she doesn't seem to have a hair out of place after what happened to her, but... Uh, yeah, Brains is still looking a bit worse for wear. Do we even see the Professor again? We, we last see him lying on the floor with a bruise on his cheek and a gash on his forehead. And that's it. What a potentially fun character to just get just get sidelined from the story like that. I'm gonna take a look in there. Be careful, Brains, please. I suppose his, oh, jolly good show, what? Antics would be a bit, um, a bit at odds with the, the rather serious tone of this story. But uh, I suppose there's, there would have been a bit of fun to be mined out of uh, keeping Brains and Tintin's connection to International Rescue secret. Okay, just because the Thunderbirds have shown up, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to reveal that connection to him. I don't know, it's just, I really love those those Peter Dinely, silly Toff characters. Uh, yeah, but we still have Sir Jeremy Odge. We'll get to him at some day when we uh, cover Perils of Penelope. Meanwhile, Brains has returned to that place where he found the treasure from. Ah, <gasps> found a lot more treasure. Professor Blakely was definitely right, Tintin. We had found the right column. Brains, is there anyone down there? No, Tintin. There appears to be no one down here. And here we go. What's this? Brains is pulled back a rock and there's a cable. Oh, whose cable is it? So, I have visitors. My little alarm system works. It's the Hoods. A cable he's laid at some point. Somehow, I'd love to know the timeline of events. He's, he's, he's been very busy during this episode at points where we don't see him. What's the matter, Brains? Tintin, I found a cable leading from this column. And, hey, here's another one. Brains, I don't like it. I'm going to go and waken Scott and the others. Now, the last time we saw a cable leading from an underwater temple on the randomizer, it was in search of the Taj Mahal, and it was attached to a, a, a dynamite plunger. So, uh, again, I, I like this with Brains. He's so enthusiastic about his discovery. He doesn't really twig that it's something that shouldn't be there and maybe is going to lead him into trouble until it's too late, because now the hood is swimming out to... Uh, well, to, to sort of uh, meet him halfway, really. Which will lead to another very sinister shot of him. That's it, following the cable, and then... Oh, that's so cool, where he suddenly finds the cable is running between the hood's feet, pan up the body, the oddly proportioned body, but it doesn't matter, because you just have that face behind the visor, and those glowing eyes. And the fact as well that the, that, uh, the mouth and nose are covered with uh, some sort of oxygen mask. 
They've not just gone for the, the same kind of um, mask as, as Brains and Tintin were wearing. Those glowing eyes look so sinister in that scene. He's really... Oh, he's really on top form this week, I think, The Hood. This is one of his best, best appearances, best performances. He really feels... Not only does he feel dangerous, but it also feels like... The international rescue team just I tried to stop him, but he cannot fight him, cannot get a handle on him. Got to get down there right away. To stop him. The brains is unconscious. To get the treasure before his friends find him. And now it's time for Bit of renovation on the old temple. I'm not entirely sure how this helps his plan, blowing up the temple, um in order to get the treasure. But doesn't really matter, and he's Buried Brains alive again. That's twice in one day. Poor old Brains. I also like as well, now it's the next morning, and uh, the Tracy brothers have got... They haven't. They clearly haven't had time to shave that morning. They've had time to put their uniforms on. But they've all got the stubble around their, their, their cheeks and chins. That's, uh, that's a lovely touch. Here we are, rolling out Thunderbird 4. And that is a lovely shot of Thunderbird 4 entering the water. Merging now. Well, let me know if you need any help, Gordon. FAB. I'll send Virgil. I'll send Tintin. I'll send everyone but me. I'm busy at the mobile control desk. Lug that thing onto the shoreline. The temple is in ruins, Scott. Brains couldn't have survived. Well, search the area, Gordon. If he is alive, he's got about seven minutes of oxygen left. If he is alive, he's nearly dead. Oh, Gordon's got his frowning face on. Everyone's got their frowning face on. Thunderbird 4 is a really pretty vehicle up close, especially when it's all weathered and uh, all that dirt and, and grime on it. I love the weathering on that, but I, I really love seeing Thunderbird 4 close up. It's a really nice shape. But of course, it's not really designed for underwater combat as such. Unlike this vessel, very, very slowly creeping up on Thunderbird 4. Yep, the hood. And his submarine clearly has a little cannon thingy mounted on the front of it. Yeah, we know from previous episodes, Thunderbird 4 does have a little cannon, but it's not. There's air bubbles coming from under some rubble here. Yay! Hurry! Bring the aerostatic lifting kit! It might be brains! It's on its way, Gordon. Oh, I wish it, I wish it was the professor if he'd gone off on his own. I just wanted to help, what? Yay! Oh, that music. That that little tension sting. So, at last. Now to destroy International Rescue and then collect the treasure. Gordon Tracy is the whole of International Rescue, isn't he? Ooh. I'm being attacked. There's another craft down here. That was a... Keep Scott clear until I call for him. Almost hit Thunderbird 4. Oh, another shot. And that one did hit. Oh. And now Virgil has taken over the uh, the mobile control desk because Scott is on the way down to uh, to help Brains with uh, an air supply. Thunderbird 4, meanwhile, very slowly moving into the chase. I'm surprised, though, that the Hood is um, is making such a hasty retreat here, considering he, he really wanted to destroy International Rescue. Now he's just running for it. Oh, that's it. One hit. 
and it's all over for the hood. My motors! They're flooding! Oh, poor little submarine. Gordon's seeing him making his getaway. He's abandoned ship. Oh, and there goes the boat. Oh, kablooey. There's a big old explosion on the surface of the water. What happened? Gordon, Gordon, what happened? I'll explain later. Get Scott down here fast. I'm going after brains. Yay, Gordon heroism moment. Those are all too rare in this show. I love how, how many points there are in this episode where everyone's worried for everyone else's survival and, and well-being. It's, oh, it's so good. Meanwhile, the hood, his demolition work, has managed to reveal so much treasure that if only he'd, he'd kept, kept his head down, he could have uh, had some of that. But no, he has to go for the whole destroy international rescue thing. And uh, now it's all over for him. And here comes Scott. Scott's actually doing something. Bringing, uh, oh, this is the, this is the hydrostatic hoist. Comes in a, it's basically a, a self-inflating balloon in a, in a big red crate. Again, this isn't the most exciting sequence, but the fact that we've got this music, this all so important music, uh, really sells it. Again, this this seems like something a bit of rescue equipment that seems a bit more plausible than uh, than many of the other well machines. Really, most of what International Rescue has is is machines. This actually seems a fairly useful little tool for underwater rescues. It's nice that again we see inventions of brains that are not not machines. They are there are the odd handy little device or gadget to uh, to assist with things like that. This this actually makes a lot of sense. But needless to say, to, to give us a bit more tension, will they get brains out in time? The uh, the rope is fraying. Oh, the balloon is still rising. Are they going to do it? Oh, it's so tense. And uh, yeah, Gordon is ha hauling brains out by himself. Scott is just watching because you know he brought the the balloon down here. What do you expect him to do? Help? That's not his way. He, he sits at the desk and tells people what to do. Yay, Brains is saved. And the professor is just airlifted out of the story. You know, that was it. He may as well, he may as well not even have been here. Poor old professor. Well, it, it looks a bit heartless shipping him out like this. Yeah. Just so that he doesn't see that Brains and I belong to the international rescue team. Well, I guess the best thing for him in his condition is hospitalization. But he's sure going to get a surprise when he comes to. Oh, that's it. Oh, yeah, we're now over to the hospital. Following the professor into hospital. Now that the world has heard about our discoveries at Lake Anasta, how does it feel to be a celebrity, Professor? Pretty fair, my dear, pretty fair. I'd say, how are you two fixed over the next few months? Why, well, Jingo, I say, I love this guy. Uh, one or two commitments. Uh, oh, Brains has now got his arm in a very crude sling and a bump on his head. At the foot of the Caribbean 400 years ago. And the professor's got another archaeological trip in his head. Hurry, are you off then? Uh, 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 visiting hours are over, Professor. I'm afraid we've got to go. Yeah, yeah. we must dash. Well, uh, so long, Professor. Oh, what an odd pair! Excitement too much for them, I suppose. Not used to it. 
And also it's strange that um, Brains and Tintin said, oh yeah, our, our, our discovery has been announced to the world. Um, Come on, let's get back to base. Did Brains use his uh, Mr. Hackenbacker or Mr. X aliases for this? Who knows? But the professor is going to catch up on his, uh, his hospital reading, Treasure the Easy Way. What a lovely way to... Uh, to end the story what a lovely way to end a lovely episode of thunderbirds as i said i was i was um i was never a fan of this one as a kid because i think i preferred the more spectacular you know fire flash and and no, not the sidewinder but uh, like shopping centers going up in flames you know big big special effects heavy stuff and um as i've got older i i come to appreciate the characters in these shows more than the action so this is this is a lovely combination of both really some some lovely action stuff some lovely underwater stuff but also a really nice focus on on the regular characters and um i think this is this has got to be a, an almost unique episode in that there are only a couple of guest characters one of which is only in a couple of scenes it's the both of them may as well neither have been there it's it's all focused on on the regulars and particularly two regulars who don't get a lot of focus in this show brains and tintin and of course the hood the hood at his most sinister best so i think this is definitely one of the uh, the great episodes of thunderbirds it's it's a, a rather atypical story realized very nicely some lovely heroic moments for everybody i really like the uh, the sinister air of the hood in this one so yeah a pretty good choice for the third anniversary of the podcast Ah, oh, nice to have Thunderbirds for our birthday edition, isn't it? Yes, it's sort of fitting, isn't it? Quite appropriate, I think. Yeah, now, if the stars have aligned... Yeah? Then for next week, Chris won't get torchy. Ah, right. Are you do- was that the X-Files you were doing then? It was, yes. I just oh, tried to nice. inject a bit of a spooky air. Um, I'm now imagining some creepy Pizzicato strings. Uh, woo. Yeah, anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yes, Chris obviously doesn't deserve torchy. No. But there's still a lot of Torchy episodes. Yes. Wouldn't it be a cruel twist of fate if he ended up Wouldn't with Torchy? It? Wouldn't it? Let's eh? keep our fingers crossed that he doesn't get that. But it does happen. Got a oh, right, yeah, no, no, don't be horrible. No, anyway, no, no, have you got no, any of that quite. cake left? Oh, yeah, just a bit. That's not a lot there. there. No, it's enough for you, isn't it? Well, I was hoping for more than a sort of Satsuma-sized piece, but uh, hmm. thanks. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're off to celebrate our birthday in style. Yay. By yep. eating a tiny piece of cake wow. and drinking some fizzy water. So, Lovely. Yeah, never leave me in charge of uh, party planning. No, exactly. You're hardly the well. social secretary, are you? No, yeah. so sorry about that. Oh, um, well. Potterons, if you've got any birthday wishes for the randomizer for next week, I think, then email us, podcast.jerryhanson.co.uk. Yeah. Uh, email your birthday wishes to Chris and the Randomizer Marina, and we will read them out. And, uh, yes, pass and on even tell us your favourite one. How's that? Oh, yes. Tell us your favourite one. Yeah, that'd be good. And possibly the one you're looking forward to the most, uh, Uh which is going to come up at random in the future. Yeah. But for now, Mm -hmm. I think that's the end, isn't it, of this one? We've uh, we've done 156 pods. I think we deserve a little break, probably until next week. We've had a good run, haven't we? Well, there's more run to come, I'm afraid. Oh, oh, is there? Oh, we're not stopping there? Yeah, yeah. We're going to carry on running for at least Uh, a bit longer. Okay. Fair enough. uh, You go and get ready for next week. I bet uh, Potstron, have a lovely week. We will be in your ears next Monday and beyond. Uh, Ta-ra! Bye! Stage one complete. Let's go!
Well, mm? what do you want to do for our fifth birthday? I haven't thought that far ahead. Well, I'm thinking that we far ahead now. We might not be now. here for our fifth birthday. What do you mean, not be here? You, you talk about the heat death of happen. the universe. No, I may, I might be a huge star by then. I wouldn't oh. have time for this sort of thing. Well, you're certainly deserving of that accolade, but I don't know if it's actually going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> I mean, fifth anniversary, that would be great, wouldn't it? We've got to have, you know, that's that's the big bash, isn't it, really? That is, yeah. Well, that'll be 260, will it be? Wow. 260 yeah. plus, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I'll start thinking now. Maybe we can have a piñata. We can have a... a uh, Thunderbird um, 2 piñata. Exactly, and yeah. And inside yeah. a pod piñata, and inside that yeah. a Thunderbird right, 4 piñata, and inside Jamie, that down. a Gordon whoa, whoa, Tracy piñata. All right, okay. <sighs> yeah, we could do all that. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? God, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. We could have a Tracy Island swimming pool, inflatable. <laughs> What, the, for all our guests? No, because that'll have a giant uh, inflatable chocolate biscuit in it, won't it? No, oh, no. yes, of course it will. Yes, yeah, will. not forgetting yeah, that in will. a hurry. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, all right, I'll think of some more biscuit. ideas. Mm. Okay, mm. yes, uh, let's get party planning. We've got only got two Hooray! years. <laughs> Great, okay, I'll crack on. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. 